this Shabbos, you know, the Shabbos after Tishbov, obviously, we read the Haftorah of Nachmu. And the Haftorah begins with Nachmu. Nachmu, Ami, be consoled, be consoled, my people. Yoimar Elokechem says, your God. You know, so that, that's what this Shabbos is. It's called Shabbos Nachmu, which is obviously uh, the concept of Nechoma. And Nechoma is when somebody has lost a, a, a very dear one, then he has to be consoled. That's the whole concept of Shiva, right? Is to console the mourners. And Tishabov is really, it's actually a holiday, but Tishabov is the time for mourning. And that's what we do on Tishabov. And uh, just like uh, when somebody's mourning, there is a consolation, you know. So the next Shabbos, of course, is Nachmu, which is the Shabbos of consolation. But, you know, there's a lot of questions that you really can begin to ask <coughs> to get down to the bottom of the matter. <coughs> First of all, one question is really when you think about it, what is the true consolation? You know, uh, how, how do you console the Jewish people for so many different things? First of all, for the loss of the Beis Hamikdash, the first one, and then the second one. How do you console the Jewish people for the uh, exile of 2,000 years? That's a long time to be in exile, you know. <clears throat> and what kind of an exile is it? is it? It's not just an exile where we are removed from the divine presence. It's really an exile that includes, you know, enormous amount of slaughter. Think about it. We have the Crusades. We have the Inquisition. We have the uh, pogroms. We have the expulsions by so many nations of the Jewish people. We have the Holocaust, you know. So, and those are just the interference of the Jewish people that want to observe Judaism. Then there's the Jewish problem itself, where the Jews cannot be what they could be. Their potential is stymied. So when you think about it, there is so much uh, grief that the Jews have over the centuries, over the millennia, actually. So what is the true consolation? I mean, how do you console them? That is a very important question. Well, what's interesting is that the answer seems to be the possible. It says, Nachmu, Nachmu, be consoled, be consoled. Ami, my people. So we can ask the question, why does it use a double expression? It should just say, Nachmu, be consoled, my people. Why does it say, be consoled, be consoled, my people? So that's a strange expression. Then it says, Yomelokechem, who says this? Says, your God. But it doesn't use the, the term, Yudke Vovke, which is God as he represents, you know, mercy and uh, kindness and so on, chesed and so on. 
Elokim is God as he in his role as being a strict judge. So it's interesting that God in his role as being a strict judge, he's the one that says, be consoled, be consoled. You think it would say Yema Hashem, that God in his role as the merciful one, and so on, that he's God in his, that role should be expressing, be consoled. So that's another question that we can ask. You see. In any case, <clears throat> there's a very interesting medrash where it says in the medrash over there by Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, be consoled, be consoled, my people. There's a medrash that at the end of time, Knesset Yisrael, who's Knesset Yisrael? Right? It's the congregation of Israel. Means the collective neshama of all the Jewish people are going to face God at the time of redemption, and they will be have tremendous grief. So God is going to turn to the tzaddikim, you know, uh, Avram Avinu, Yitzchok, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, Shmuel, you know, Dovid Hamelach, and so on. He's going to turn to these people and he's going to say to them, I want you to console Knesset Israel. I want you to console them from all the bitter times that they've had, all the tragedies, trials, tribulations, you know, all the terrible times that the Jews have gone through for thousands of years. I want you to console them because they're not consoled. And this is the end of time. You know, this is the redemption. So apparently that's what they all attempt to do, right? You have Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, um, you know, Moshe, Yosef, uh, Aaron, uh, you know, you have Shmuel Novi, Dovra Melech, and so on. And the Vim, they all try to console the Jewish people. But they're not, but they're not successful. You see. So therefore God says, well, I see that you can't, so I will console the Jewish people. That's why it says, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, God is saying, right, be consoled, be consoled, my people. Because the tzaddikim can't do it, so the only one who can, can console the Jewish people after or by the redemption is God. So therefore we have to ask ourselves, what does God say? really, to console them. And why is it that they can't and he can? You see, obviously the secret must lie in that the Rebbe knows exactly what the consolation is. And they can't. They don't have a handle on it. So the question is, what is the secret of consolation? That is the, 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 the question. You see. So, in order to try to answer these questions, ah, before I forget, let me just mention that this year should be a merit for the health and success of the families of Regina Bas Yosef, Ruve, and Yeshaya Ben Israel. It should be a merit for these people. Now, in order to understand the secret 
of consolation, which is really what this Shabbos is all about, right? Uh, I'm going to read to you a Gemara. Very fascinating Gemara. Okay, good. It says in the Gemara at the end of Masech the Makas, the end of Masech the Makas, twenty-four D Very interesting Agadato, you know, story. <clears throat> and in that story, we will notice is the secret of the consolation. And I'm going to read it to you in English. I'm not going to translate it. I'll read it straight from the English. On another occasion, they, there were four Chachomim, sages of the previous story, right? And if I remember correctly, it was uh, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi El Ozer Ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Akiva. They were all walking. They were coming up to Jerusalem after the destruction of the temple. It says, when they reached the mountain of Tzuifim, Haratzuifim, which overlooks the Harabais, and remember the Harabais, the temple mount was destroyed. Uh, so when they reached the mountain of Tzuifim, and they were able to see the, the city of Jerusalem in its destruction, they rent, they tore their garments. You see why? Because they're looking at <coughs> the Khurban, the destruction, and in expression of grief, they ripped their clothing. Like you do in Avelis. So that's what they did when they reached Haratzuifim, Mount of Tzuifim. But when they came to the Temple Mount itself, they saw a fox emerging from the Holy of Holies. Isn't that incredible? The Holy of Holies that nobody could walk in, even angels couldn't fly through the Holy of Holies. Right? The only one who could go in there was the Kohen Gadol, on Yom Kippur. Right? He was the only one. So from this unbelievable holy place where the Divine Presence was, a fox came out of it. Because not only was there a destruction, it now became the habitat of animals. Could you imagine the, the, deg- the degradation of the uh, Beis Hamidosh? So what happened? So they started to weep. Imagine seeing a fox coming out of the holiest place in the universe. So they started to weep. And that means that the Khurban, it's not only that it's destroyed, it's not even a residence for man. Animals live there. So they started to weep, to cry. But Rabbi Akiva, strangely speaking, he smiled. So they said to him, for what reason are you smiling? I mean, why are you smiling? You should be crying just like we are crying. Right? Yeah. So they asked him, why are you smiling? So he replied to them, for what reason are you weeping? So instead of answering them, right, he said, well, why are you crying? It's almost as if he didn't know why they were crying. So they said to him, a place about which it is written that a person who is not a coin who approaches into the Holy of Holies, 
should die. Right? He has to die. And now foxes come out of it. Should we not weep? Obviously. So that's what they told him. So then Rabbi Akiva said to them why he was smiling. So he said to them, For this very reason I am smiling. Because you are crying, that is the reason why I am smiling. And he explains what he meant. For it is written. There's a posik that's written, right? It says the following. I will summon trustworthy witnesses for myself. Right? God says, I'm going to summon two witnesses for myself. The two prophets, who are they? Uriah the Koyin and Zechariah ben Yerechiyahu. These two people, Uriah and Zechariah. Okay? So the Rabbi Akiva now asks the question, because God said, I will summon them to testify. So Rabbi Akiva says, now what connection does Uriah have with Zechariah? Right? Pasuk mentions both as witnesses. But why mention these two people? So he says, Uriah prophesied during the era of the first temple, right? Uriah said the, his prophecy that the Beis HaMikdash will, dis, will be destroyed, you see, during the first temple, whereas Zechariah prophesied during the era of the second temple. So they lived in two different time periods. So he, Rabbi Akiva says, why then are they mentioned together that God says, I'm going to summon them as witnesses? So he answers, Rabbi Akiva answers, rather, by mentioning the two prophets together, Scripture made the prophecy of Zechariah, the latter prophet, dependent on the prophecy of Uriah, the first prophet. What does that mean? So in the prophecy of Uriah, it is written, he was the first prophet. Uh, therefore, because of you, which means because of your sins, Zion, Zion, will be plowed over like a field, which is what happened. In other words, it will be destroyed. Right? That's what Uriah is saying. That's the prophecy of Uriah. Right? Uh, and the translation is, right, it, Jerusalem, will become heaps of rubble, and the Temple Mount will become like stones, stone heaps in the forest. But in the prophecy of Zechariah, which is the later prophet, it is written, it's really a beautiful posik, old men and old women will once again sit in the streets of Jerusalem. And not only will men and women sit again in the streets of Jerusalem, because Jerusalem will be built, rebuilt, but they will be old. That's how many years, right, that Jerusalem will be saved, will be redeemed that there will be old men and old women are going to inhabit Jerusalem. So Rabbi Akiva concludes, as long as the prophecy of Uriah, which is the first prophet, the destruction had not been fulfilled, so I had feared, right, that the prophecy of Zechariah will also not be fulfilled, not destroyed, so obviously uh, it won't be redeemed. Now that the prophecy has been fulfilled where it was destroyed, in other words, and Jerusalem and the Temple Mount are totally desolate, it is certain that the prophecy of Zechariah will also be fulfilled. So therefore the prophet of Zechariah is dependent on the prophecy of Uriah. Since the prophecy of Uriah foretold the destruction, therefore God will, and that's what God did, 
So he will certainly heed the prophecy of Zechariah that the temple will be rebuilt. So it says the rabbis accepted Rabbi Akiva's reasoning. They, the rabbis, the ones who escorted Rabbi Akiva, they said to him these words. Which is interesting. They answered him after he gave them that drusha, that sermon, with the following expression or words. Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva, you have comforted us. Twice. It's interesting. That's exactly how the Pasuk says. Nachmu, nachmu ami. Be consoled, be consoled, my people. A double uh, expression, right, of nechoma, of consolation. That's the Gemara. The story of Rabbi Akiva and his colleagues, right, when they went to Jerusalem and they witnessed the Chorim. So it comes out that Rabbi Akiva did what? He comforted them. And like I said, they answered him, you have consoled us, Rabbi Akiva, you have consoled us with Rabbi Akiva. But the truth is, this Gemara is really very difficult to understand. Let's take a look. Let's go back and read the Gemara again. <clears throat> Try to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> on another occasion, they, the four sages of the previous story, like I said, Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel, they were coming up to Jerusalem after the destruction of the temple. Right? Then it says, once when they reached the mountain of Tzophim, where you can look at, the, if you come today to Israel, and you're on Har Tzophim, you can see the base of Mikdash destroyed. So it says that when they reached the mountain of Tzophim, and they were able to see the city of Jerusalem in its destruction, they rent their garments. Right? So it says they rent their garments. Who's they? Doesn't that include Rabbi Akiva? Of course it does. So why would Rabbi Akiva smile if he rent their garments, if he was among those people that tore his garment? Then it says when they came to the Temple Mount itself, they saw a fox emerging from the Holy of Holies. Right? Now, was that a coincidence? I mean, it could have been any animal, right? A lot of animals at that place. But it says a fox. Was this some type of... Now, we know a fox is a very smart animal. In fact, the fox is legendary for its wisdom. It's sly, crafty, and so on. So the fact that they saw a fox coming out, is that some type of message that they were supposed to discern? It's interesting. Or was that just a coincidence? And then it says, and they started to weep. They started to cry. But Rabbi Akiva was smiling. Okay, which itself seems inappropriate. So they said to him, obviously because it was inappropriate, for what reason are you smiling? So he says to them, what do you mean why I'm smiling? Why are you weeping? Now that doesn't make sense, right? They asked him a good question. Why are you smiling? Because that's inappropriate. And he answers, why are you weeping? What are you asking them why are you weeping? It's obvious why they're weeping. They're grieving for the destruction of the temple and for a fox coming out of it. So why is he even asking them the question? 
he should have just tried to answer why he's smiling. So the question is, what is he even saying? Why are you weeping? So they actually answered him. So they said to him, a place about which is written that the non-coin who approaches shall die, and now foxes come out of it. Should we not weep? Right? It's obvious. Right? When they answered him, obviously, we, uh, the reason why we're weeping, right, is because should we not weep? And you see a fox coming out of the holiest place on the planet. So Rabbi Akiva, right, he begins to explain why he's smiling. He says to him, Lokach, for this very reason, I am smiling. What's that supposed to mean? What reason? Well, for the very reason that you are crying, I am smiling. Really? You know, he should have just explained why he's smiling. What does it have to do? Because this, because you are weeping, that's why I'm smiling? Doesn't make any sense. So he brings a drasha, pasuk, that there are two people. There's Uri the coin, who prophesied about the destruction, right? And there is Zechariah, who prophesied about the redemption. So Rabbi Akiva rightly asks, what does one have to do with the other? Because God is going to bring them both for witnesses. <clears throat> you see, why these two? Because they lived in two different time periods. <clears throat> so Rabbi Akiva says, and what connection does Uriah have with Zechariah? You see, that God should want both for witnesses. So he says, all your prophecy in the area of the first temple and Zechariah prophecy during the area of the second temple, the destruction. You see? So why are they mentioned together? So Rabbi Akiva says a very interesting thing. Because God wanted to show that I'm going to destroy the Beis Amigdash, right? And since I'm going to destroy the Beis Amigdash, and I, and I fulfill that prophecy, I'm going to also fulfill the prophecy of redemption. That's why he has them both, you see, okay? And, 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 that's, what, and, and uh, that's what Rabbi Akiva says. And that's why he brought these two witnesses. So Rabbi Akiva concludes and says, look, as long as the prophecy of Uriah, which is about the destruction, had not been fulfilled, well, I would have feared that maybe the prophecy of Zechariah would also not be fulfilled, which means the redemption. But now that the prophecy of Uri about the destruction has been fulfilled, then of course we are Yubiyodua. It is certain that the prophecy of Zechariah will be fulfilled. This is what he said. He says, so the question is, what is the meaning of this really? You know, what do you mean before the prophecy of Uri wasn't fulfilled? How do I know God is going to redeem them? It's obvious because if it wasn't destroyed, it's not going to be redeemed. Right? So it's, it's obvious that the prophecy of Zechariah who prophesied about the redemption needs the destruction. It's obvious. You see? So why would I... So what does it mean that I wasn't sure if Zechariah's prophecy about redemption would be fulfilled if Uriah's wasn't the destruction? Of course, how can the redemption be fulfilled if it wasn't destroyed? And then uh, Rabbi Akiva answers these, uh, the Chachomim, uh, write the words, and they, they answer the Akiva, that you have consoled us 
Akiva, you have consoled us or comforted us, Akiva, twice. Well, there it is. There's another double Lashem. In any case, we see that the Gemara is, in many ways, cryptic. Difficult to understand, you see. What was Rabbi Akiva really saying? Very, very important idea. What is consolation, really? You know, it's interesting. When somebody, imagine somebody's in prison, you know, somebody's in prison for 20 years. And unfortunately, there are people that had to have suffered for years for no reason. There's a tremendous amount of evil in the world, you know. And imagine all of a sudden, you know, there's a new ruler besides the guy who put the guy in prison, right? And that ruler says, well, you didn't really do anything. The other guy was completely wrong. I'm going to release you after 20 years. So, of course, there's a nechama. The prison guards come over to this guy. They open up the prison door. And they tell him, you are released. Well, that's a nechama. Wow. You mean the suffering is finally over? You see? And that's exactly what the nechama is. You see? That is a nechama. That the suffering has come to an end. But there's something that this person cannot get over. Why did I languish in prison? 20 years you know what did I do that deserved 20 years in prison there's 20 years of my life gone for what for nothing right so a person is not consoled over that he may be consoled over the fact that the prison sentence is over yes but who, how can you console this guy that he spent 20 years in a prison Right? For no reason, basically. So he never gets over that. You see? Because 20 years is a long time to remove from a person's life. Imagine all the living he could have done for 20 years. This is the problem of the Jewish people. You know, God in the end of time is going to say, right? Okay. The exile is over. All the, uh, all the, the slaughter, the destruction, the persecutions, the inquisition, the expulsions, right? And the uh, Holocaust, you know, and the slaughter and the murders, all of that is over. The redemption is here, and you are now all released. Well, that is a tremendous... Imagine on that day when there's a turnaround and all of a sudden evil is vanquished. No more evil. Wow. That is a tremendous Nechoma. But what are the Jews going to do about thousands of years of history where they were butchered, slaughtered, decimated, annihilated? What about that? I mean, the Jewish people are in exile for 2,000 years. And believe me, even before that, it was no picnic. Uh, <clears throat> right? You had the Romans, you had the Greeks, you had the Assyrians, the Babylonians. They're all butchers. They're very evil empires. You see? So when you add up all of them, the Jews have been slaughtered for three, 
thousand years since they entered the 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 uh, Eretz Yisrael. So who's gonna? Wh- what are you gonna tell the Jewish people about all the unbelievable misery, right, and grief that they suffered for thousands of years? Fine. I mean, it's great news that God says you're redeemed. No more, right? No more bad times. But what about the consolation of what they went through for thousands of years? How do you console the Jews, you see? And the answer is, you can't. And it's interesting that, where do you see this? Because God sent, right? He sent all the Nevi'im, the others, the Nevi'im. Everybody who's a who's who in the Jewish world basically was sent to console the Jews. And they couldn't do it. Why? Because they could say it's over. God has sent us to tell you that this is a redemption. But they can't console the Jews on the past. Why they have to go through this? And that is what the Medrash means. That only God says, only I can console them. You see. And he does. And that's the Torah. Nachmu, nachmu, amni. Be consoled, be consoled, my people. Now, the question is, right, we now realize that there are two consolations which are critical. One is that it's over. The time of destruction and annihilation is over. And the second consolation is, I will tell you why all this happened. The only one who can tell them that is God. Because nobody else knows really why. You see. And what is the answer? The answer is a very important idea. You see. Imagine a surgeon. He has to perform a very delicate operation on a person that has a tumor. You see. So what is this person going to say? Right? I mean, he's going to be happy that the surgeon performed the surgery so he can now be cured and live on. The tumor is removed, right? <clears throat> What's he going to tell the surgeon? Hey, what did you cut me up for? And the surgeon will tell him this. What do you mean? If I didn't cut you up, if I didn't extract that tumor, you'd be dead. Therefore, the very suffering that you went through is the reason why you are alive. That is the Yeshua. The suffering itself redeemed you. Without that suffering, right, you'd be dead. So of course the guy's not going to complain. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he got cancer or the tumor. But he's not going to complain to the surgeon and say to him, how could you do this to me? Thank you for redeeming me means being curing me, right? But how could you do this? Right? Because he cut me up. Of course he's not going to say that. Because the very surgery itself is what saved him. If anything, he has to thank the surgeon for saving his life. That is the consolation. Uh, You see. And therefore, the consolation is the suffering itself. And now if we go back to the Gemara, we can see this is what Rabbi Akiva is saying. Let's take a look. Let's make one more pass over the Gemara that I read. And you will see this is what Rabbi Akiva is saying. And I'm going to read it again. This time with the answers. 
On another occasion, they they the four sages of the previous story, they were coming up to Jerusalem after the destruction of the temple. When they reached the Mount of Tzophim, as I said, they were able to see the city of Jerusalem in its destruction. They rent their garments, including Rabbi Akiva, of course, because the destruction means unbelievable grief. You see, unbelievable grief. But the Yeshua, what was the refuah, the cure, is where God said, listen, if you grieve over what was, then I know, right, you appreciate who I am and what I did. And that grief, that longing and yearning for God is the Yeshua, and that will cause me to return. It comes out that the grief itself is the refuah, you see. Because you have to show that you long for me, you yearn. And then that is the cure, and therefore I will come back. You see. So, of course, they all grieved at the fact that the base Hamikdash was destroyed. You see. Now, when they came to the Temple Mount, right, they saw a fox emerging from the Holy of Holies. Right? What was that fox? That fox, legend has it, of course, that a fox is very sly, and which it is, by the way. It's a very intelligent animal that can elude its pursuers. That fox was really a divine message to these Chachomim. What was the message? Where the Chachomim, where the God is saying to them, you know, look at what you're seeing. You are seeing the Beis Amigdash in its destruction. But you don't understand Christ will deserve that destruction because of all the sins, right? So therefore, the destruction itself, which they caused, is the very refuah, cure, that will bring me back. That's the message. And that's, it's like the fox, where don't think that what you're looking at is the real idea. The real idea is not that Vesemitish has to be destroyed. No. The idea is that the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is the very resolution of the problem. Because when you cry and you grieve over it, that's when it's going to bring me back. You see? So that's what the fox is saying. You know, the, don't think that you're looking at a destruction. Of course, ostensibly, that's what happened. But what you're really looking at is the cure that since it is in a destructive state, that will cause you to grieve. And that grief, that grief is the solution that will bring God back. You see? So what the fox is really alluding to is the secret that the Chorban bias is the very refuah that we need to bring God back. It's not merely a destruction. It is the cure. And the cure is that you grieve and that will bring God back, you see? That's the cure. So that is the message that a fox says to these Chachomim. So what happened? They started to weep, obviously, because they're looking at the destruction. But Rabbi Akiva smiled. Why? Because he got it. He understood the message of the fox. That the destruction of the temple itself is the refuah, is the cure. 
So he didn't weep, although he did do that. Initially, he rent his garment. But now he looked at the destruction itself. He says, aha, I see the pure. So he smiled. They saw the destruction. So they started crying, right? He saw the cure, and he smiled. But they didn't get it. So they said to him, I don't understand. You know, why are you smiling? Now the answer we know is because he recognized that this was the cure. That they're grieving and they're crying. That is the cure that will bring the Beis Amigdash back. So he replied to them, Rebbe Akiva answered them, Well, why are you weeping? You see? What do you mean why we're weeping? He's not asking them why they're weeping. It's obvious, the grief. But he said, why are you weeping, right? That's the cure itself. So they didn't understand what he was saying. So they said to him, why we're weeping, the destruction. A place with which it's written, the non-coin who approaches shall die. And now a fox comes out of it, should we not weep? Of course they were right. But he said, you don't understand. Your weeping is the cure. So that's what Rabbi Akiva said, why he was smiling. So here's what he said to them. For this very reason I'm smiling, you see. He's watching them grieving and, we- and weeping and crying. So he recognized, wow, this is tremendous. Because since they are grieving and crying, that is a cure that will bring God back. He, he says, for this very reason I'm smiling. Because you're crying. And that cry is the cure, and uh, therefore I'm smiling. You see? And then he tells them, where do I get this information from? So then it was when he brings the posik of Uriah and Zechariah. So that's what he says, right? That God made dependent the prophecy of Zechariah, which is the redemption. He made that dependent on the prophecy of Uriah. So here's what Rebekah said, right? Until the prophecy of Zechariah, of Uriah, I should say, was fulfilled about the destruction of course there's no redemption. Why? Because there's no cure, really. Not only there's no destruction, right? But there's no cure. So how can God fix the entire thing? You see. But now that the pro- prophecy of Uriah is here, because the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, so not only is the Beis HaMikdash destroyed, which means that the prophecy has been fulfilled, right? And they have uh, caused the destruction, the Jews by their sins have caused the destruction but now I definitely know that Zechariah will definitely be filled which is redemption because not only is the destruction here but the destruction is the very cure of the problem and therefore Zechariah also will be fulfilled the redemption because the cure is in place you see so what did Rabbi Akiva say? what he told them is you have to understand, you know, the consolation. The first consolation is there will be a redemption, right? But the second consolation is you're going to wonder why was there so much destruction for thousands of years? And the answer Rabbi Akiva says, and that's the problem that the Jews are not consoled. So Rabbi Akiva consoled them by saying, the reason why there's so much, dis- uh, so much uh, uh, destruction it's because that's the cure itself. Without that, we can't be redeemed. It's not enough just to, that there was a, a destruction and the redemption has come. No. You have to understand that the very cure itself 
to bring God back is what? Is the destruction itself. Because that produces grief, longing and yearning for God. And therefore God says, Aha, they miss me, right? I will come back. So what he told them was both consolations. You see, that the consolation number one is there's a redemption. That's Zechariah. Consolation number two is Uriah that will be destroyed not only because that's the, sort of like the punishment of their sin. No, because that's the cure itself. And that's why the Gemara so brilliantly says that the colleagues said to Rabbi Akiva twice, Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva you have comforted us. Akiva Nichamtonu, you have comforted us twice because they got it. They said, we now understand why you're smiling. Because we're looking at the Beis Hamikdash, it's destruction, and therefore we weep. You, Rabbi Akiva, see that it's not only the destruction because of their sins, but that is the exact way that God will cure us, you see, with the actual destruction itself. So they used the double Russian, and that's what they said to him. Nachmu. You have consoled us, Rabbi Akiva, because the redemption will come. And Nachmu, you have consoled us, Akiva, because you have answered the question, why was it destroyed? It's not just destroyed because the Jews deserved it. It was destroyed because when we grieve, and that causes us to grieve, that itself is the cure. And now we understand why we have to go through such terrible tragedy and 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 misery for thousands of years. So, because without that, there's no cure. It's not only, you know, uh, that the base of English was destroyed. How do we get out of this fix? And that's the destruction itself. It's an incredible concept when you think about that, that the very destruction is the cure. I mean, only God can pull that off. You see? Doesn't, he doesn't need some other medicine for this. You know? No. The destruction itself becomes the cure. That's what Rabbi Akiva did. And it's beautiful what that Gemara answers, you see. Ah, so now we can begin to understand all of this, you see. Uh, and let me go back. Why the double expression? And the answer is because God has to console the Jews on two ideas, right? One, the consolation that no more exile. End of the Golas. But the second Nachmu will be consoled is I will tell you why you had to go through thousands of years of terrible destruction. Because that is not only the destruction, but more important, that's the cure. You see, without that, you could not have been redeemed. That is the second consolation. And then it says why God is a judge. Because God says, and therefore, not only will you be redeemed, but you deserve the redemption. Because I, as a judge, testify, right, that you have gone through the suffering, which is the cure, and that allows you to be redeemed. So it's not that God is doing a chesed in that sense, but we have actually engaged in the cure, the resolution. That's why God says, God, as, a, as his role as a judge, says consolation, you see. We now understand what true consolation is. What is that? That true consolation is two things, right? 
one, I will be redeemed. God says, you, Knesset Israel, the congregation of Israel will be redeemed. You see, that's the true consolation. But there's something else. It has to be another consolation of why did we have to go through it? And God is going to say, because that was the very cure itself to the, uh, the uh, tragedy of destruction. We now understand the Medrash very well. Tzaddikim can't console them on the second one. They can only say, well, God is going to redeem you. It's over. The evil is over. And so on. Right? The exile is over. All the Goyim will be repaid for the enormous slaughter that they have done for thousands of years. And the Sultan will be killed. You see, wow, that's tremendous. But wait a minute. Why do we have to go through this? You see... So therefore the tzaddikim can't say why, because they don't know how the cure works. Only God knows how the cure works. And that's why only God can console the Knesset Israel. You see? And that's what God says. They can't, but He can, because He knows exactly what that is. And that's really Akiva's tremendous concept. You think about it. It's not just that the destruction itself why happened because of the sins of the Jews? You know, the sin of Chinam, the basis hatred, the Russian horror, and so on. It's much deeper than that. Therefore, the very destruction becomes the cure. Why? Because Jews will grieve. And that grief is the merit that will bring the Mashiach. You see, and that's why it says, by the way, anybody who mourns for Jerusalem, Zoicha, he merits the Roya, and he will see Binyono, that it's built. It should just say anybody who mourns for Jerusalem, right, will see it being rebuilt, because he deserves that. But it says Zoicha, he merits. Why? Because the very act of Avelus, of grief, is the cure, right, that he grieves for Jerusalem, he grieves for the base Amigos, and therefore he will merit with the very act of grief, Avelus to see Jerusalem. You see, it's much more profound there. Well, if you grieve over it, you'll see it. More than that, if you grieve over it, then you've engaged in the cure, the resolution, the solution to the problem, you see, and therefore you merit to see Jerusalem. There are very important concepts, you see, that this is the reason why, you see, and that is when the, the whole concept of, you know, when it says, Ani Hashem I am God, your healer. That means God is not just the one who sets up the whole Bria, but He's also the judge. Ah, but a judge doesn't have to rehabilitate. He doesn't have to cure the criminal, right? Or the one who sinned, not at all. But God said, I am God, your healer. That's a very important concept, you see that God actually is not only a judge, but He's the one who will heal. He will rehabilitate the Jews. And the unbelievable depth of the concept is that the very sickness is the cure itself. That's why it says, in the Novi, there is a time of sorrow, trouble to the Jewish people, Yaakov to the Jewish people, and from it, Yivoshea, he will be saved. So we normally read that Pasek, 
it is a time of tremendous trouble to Jacob and Israel. But from it he will be redeemed, right? And that means he will be redeemed. That's the good news. But no, you can read it this way, which is the second consolation. There's a time of, of problem, trouble to Yaakov, or not umimeno and from it, but umimeno and from it means because of it, he will be saved. So what that says is not only you will be saved from it, but because of the actual tsaras, right, you will be saved because that is the cure itself. You see, <clears throat> what we see is a very important idea. <clears throat> you see, we don't understand what God does. We don't understand why He does these things. We don't understand how could our people have suffered so much, right, for so many thousands of years. Let's take a look at it. The Jewish people are the greatest butchered people in history. Wherever they are, there's always goyim, right, that kill them. Let's just take a look at the Inquisition. They used to burn people at the stake. You know, I mean, what a way to die. It's incredible, right? For what? Because they didn't adapt, or they did adapt, and they did not want to practice Christianity? For that, you burn a guy at a stake? Are you crazy? I mean, what greater demonstration of evil is there? And then you have pogroms. All of a sudden, everybody, the whole town, is going to kill the Jews. And at the head of that is the government and the Catholic priest. <clears throat> These are the pogroms of, <clears throat> of Russia. And then you have the expulsions. Could you imagine all the Jews get kicked out of a country? Right? Spain, 1492. They were there, they saved from the time of the destruction of the first temple. In fact, one of the oldest civilizations was the Jews of Spain. And they got thrown out because of the Rishoim, Ferdinand and Isabella, right? Because they wanted to convert all the Jews. What, are you crazy? Let them do what they want. They have a right to believe in what they want to believe. You know? Where does it say in the Christian Bible that you can slaughter the Jews? That's the evil of Christianity. We cannot even begin to know how many Jews were destroyed because of Christianity. But in, in any case, it's not a slaughter of the Jews. Right? And so on, right? And then you have persecutions where they couldn't engage in different trades. Right? And then you have the Holocaust, which is probably the greatest slaughter the world has ever seen by any nation. You see? Because it was systematic. It wasn't just killing Jews. The Nazi, right? They used every aspect of the body of the Jew, right? His skin was lampshades, his fat was soap, right? And his body were ashes. They took all his jewelry, right? Could you imagine? It's like an animal, you know, it's like a cow, right? You use everything about the cow, the skin for leather, the meat to eat, right? Then you have the sinews, the hooves, and so on. Like every part of the animal is used for something. That's exactly what they did to the Jew. He wasn't just killed, right? He was used for every part of his body. You see, that's how great the gezira was. That's how great the decree was of the destruction of the Jews. But anyway, I don't want to go too much into that.
All of this is because this is the very cure itself. The problem is we are not familiar with this. That's what it is. We are not familiar with this. And that's, like I said, Ani Hashem In the end of time, you see, God will reveal the reason for this. And the answer that he says will be so astounding that all Jews will be con- convinced and they will be consoled. Because they will realize that had they not gone through this destruction, which means had they not gone through this cure, had they not gone through this resolution, the destruction itself, then they would never have Oilim Habo. Yes. So, your choice. You see? You want to be saved? You need to go through the destruction. Not only because you caused the destruction, but that's your cure. So, of course, people would say, okay, listen, give this to us, because then we can merit Oilim Habo, which is infinite. Right? It's not only infinite in joy, but it's eternal. You see? So of course they choose that cure, you see. And, and that is the Nechoma that God ultimately gives to Jewish people. It's a very important concept. And that's the concept of Rebbe Akiva. And that is why God will say, Nachamu, Nachamu, be consoled, be consoled. Be consoled that your prison sentence is over. The real consolation is why did we have to go through this? Why were we imprisoned for 20 years? You see, so God will say, if you had not been imprisoned for 20 years, you would never get Oilem Habo. Because Oilem Habo has to be deserved. And we know that from previous lectures. Oilem Habo must be deserved. Because God decided, Dinam, judgments. They have to cause Oilem Habo. You see, and I gave a shi'a about that, Namadik Sufa, but it's shame. But the main idea is, therefore, I need to exact a cure from you, because I am also your healer. Not only am I your judge, but I am a healer that wants to get you into Oilem Habo. So all that exile, could you imagine the explanations that God is going to offer? You see? In fact, I'll tell you something interesting. More than that, do you realize that when you stand in front of God in judgment at the final redemption that God is is going to explain to each and every individual you see why everything happened to that person you see and we know that Ma'azino because it says Sadiq Yosho who God is right Sadiq he's righteous and Yosho he's fair right you know, ain't over. There is no injustice by God. You see? You realize that means that he has to, in some way, defend every pain. Any kind of pain you had for your entire life. Imagine, you have to put a quarter in the meter. So you put your hand in your pocket, you come out with a dime or a nickel. And you have this incredibly slight aggravation that you have to put your hand back into your pocket again, that aggravation is decreed as part of the cure. Could you imagine God has to actually justify that? Or else that posik in the Torah of Hazino is not true. And of course the Torah is truth. That's what's going to happen at the end of the day. 
could you imagine what kind of a session that's going to be? Where you will be shown every single iota of pain that you had was the cure because of what you did. And God had to do it to you to save you, right? To prepare you, to ready you for the future world with absolute justice. So when you are in the future world, everything that happens to you in the future world will have been justified. That's how exact and precise is the ultimate judgment. We just have to realize that, you see, and we don't. You know, imagine there's a child, five years old, and the mother takes him to the pediatrician because he's got, hey, he's got to get his, uh, uh, his uh, Tdap, you know, pertussis and, uh, and so on, and uh, shot, right? So the doctor, the pediatrician, says to the mother, please hold the child, because as soon as he takes out the needle, the needle, the kid sees it, starts to yell, and, and, and attempts to bolt, to run away. So the doctor says to the mother, please hold him, so I can give him the shot. So the mother says, okay. So she holds her kid, the doctor takes the needle, inserts it into the kid's arm, right, the little kid. And the kid is crying, screaming, right? Fine. Takes it out, fine. And the child has received its necessary vaccination. Right? Okay. Now the mother finishes and she's going home. So the child looks at the mother and says, I don't understand this. How could you do this to me? How could you hold me down while this guy is putting a needle into my arm? I thought you loved me. How could you do this? We hear this kind of story. We smile. Why? Because the answer is that because the mother loved the kid, that's why she did it. But from the child's perspective, he doesn't see that. He doesn't understand what true acts of love is. Because sometimes they resemble, right, real torture, real pain. This story is illustrative of how God behaves toward us. And that's very important. You know, one Rebbe Akiva, which is interesting, because he's the one, he had a Rebbe called Nochemish Gamzu, that would always say, Gamzu Toiba, this too is for the good. Right? He was famous. Tremendous person, Nochemish Gamzu. Nochem, the one who used to say, Gamzu Toiba, this too is for the good. Right? And Rebbe Akiva used to repeat that many times. So, and he's the one who innovated this concept, of course, or taught the Chazal this concept. It's very interesting. But what that means is that everything that God does is for the good, which is an incredible statement. That means there is nothing that God does that can be labeled in any way as evil, or purposeless, or unjustified. And that's what we are going to see, each one of us, at our own session with God, explaining everything to us. So God is going to look at us and say, well, what's your reaction to all this? Right? What's your thoughts? And we are going to say, thank you. Thank you that you put my interest above all other considerations. 
that you acted with total love. And that is why I am going to get the future world, which is an infinite bliss eternally because of that. We can actually say to God, thank you for doing this, that you didn't react to my doubts about what you're doing. You see? And then God is, of course, going to say, now you understand. The whole purpose of everything the Jews went through was to save them from all their sins. So not only is there a redemption, what's even more important is that the, all the suffering that they went through is the cure itself. And that's why I had to do it. Okay, that's the Nechoma. You now understand why it says, Nachmo, Nachmo, be consoled, be consoled. You now understand that. Because God is going to console the Jews, Knesset Israel, twice. One, that we are redeemed. Someday all of this will be over. This nightmare is over. And the second thing is that the very suffering that we have gone through is the cure, is the resolution, you see, is the solution to the problem of how do we get Oilam Haba with pure justice. That's how you have to think of Shabbos Nachmo. Any questions? Yeah, I have a question, Rabbi. Sure. Um, okay, why would we need to be consoled if you're telling us it's over? Wouldn't we be in joy and happiness? Like, why would I need a consolation for that? You don't need a consolation for the joy. That is the consolation. But how do you feel if you've been in prison for 20 years with no reason for it? Or something that you think is unjustified? That always weighs down on your mind, doesn't it? And even though there's but a the, joy but in the redemption... most Jews know that already. Like, don't we know that already? Yes, but it's one thing to know. Do they know that? That itself, I really wonder. Everybody wonders You think that most subjected. Jews don't know that we're fulfilling a tikkun? You know, it's interesting. To know is one thing. To really believe is another. Knowledge does mm-hmm. not con- constitute belief. Remember, you may know something, but you don't really believe it deep down. You see? They're two different concepts. They're two different experiences. The experience of knowing, fine. But you have to believe what you know. And most people walk around, right, with a belief, none of this makes sense. This isn't justified, right? Especially when they have Tsaras. When they have their problems, and there's so many problems out there. There's health problems, there's divorce, there's parnosa, problems with kids problems with Shidduchim. I mean, just ask every Jew, you know, what's happening to you? And the guy can roll off a list of problems one after the other. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, wow, you know, I asked him the wrong question, you know. But then it happens to the person who asked. Everybody goes through periods of time that, you know, they, they, they wonder what in the world's going on, you know. And sometimes it doesn't happen. It's not just one service. It's one sorrow after the other. It's like when it rains, it pours. You know, who then doesn't say to himself, this doesn't make sense. You know, this is really unjustified. You see, why is God doing this to me? You tell me, one person that has never said to himself, 
right? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. Think about that. Knowing is one thing. Believing with faith totally is another. That's why it, but to believe, which is really part of Bitochem, it's a very difficult Avedah. You see? It's a very difficult Avedah. You know, it just doesn't come because there's so many things that can happen to a person's life, right? That contradicts what God stands for. Contradicts what God said He does for the Jews. That's why Bitochen is a very... Bitochen means to trust God. What is trust? That whatever He says He will do, right? That He will do it. We trust God. What? That we, he, whatever He says He will do, or whatever He said He is, that He will live up to that. That's called Bitochen. Trust. Right? So do you know how hard that is? When all of a sudden a person is confronted with tremendous amount of, you know, uh, calamities or catastrophes or, or whatever. Everybody goes through that. That's what is, is so prevalent in life, you see. So don't underestimate what people think. Everybody has a moment when they really don't know what's going on and they begin to say to themselves, what in the world is happening to me and why, you see. Remember, knowing is not necessarily believing what you know, you see. So you feel that when people hear that the Mashiach here, they might not believe it because they're yeah. still stuck in their grief? Correct. Oh, yeah. You tell somebody in the, middle, in the middle of his grief, you know, don't worry, it'll end and everything will be okay. Most people will look at you and say, what are you talking about? I don't believe that. I mean, I know that. That's what the rabbis say. That's what Judaism says. I don't really believe this. And that's why they're not consoled. Because they don't believe it. So when God does finally reveal all of this, He's going to reveal it not as knowledge, but He's going to demonstrate how in your life it's really true. You know, there's demonstration and there's demonstration. And God will show you in a way that you cannot deny that He's right. Only God can pull that off. You see. Because we have to transcend, right? We have to transcend knowledge. It has to become belief. It has to become vivid and so clear that there's no question. It's called total certainty that this is for my benefit. You see, and that will happen in the end. You know, and so on. So, okay, so let's say, I mean, a lot of people, at least in more than all other years, grieved over, uh, you know, over the, uh, this past fast. We all grieved that the Mashiach's not here yet and the Bet is not rebuilt yet. And, everyone's, right. and there's so much grief in the world for people to grieve, that they really did grieve not receiving the Mashiach yesterday. So right. with all that extra grief, we're still not being consoled. Because there's a certain amount of time that people have to grieve, and we don't know the measure. Look, a cure, right? 
You take a medicine, right? It doesn't work instantly. It takes time, right? And ultimately it works. Same thing. Even the concept of grief as a cure takes time, like any medicine. Now, how much time? We don't know. How much grief? We don't know. Why does it require so much time? We don't know. Because the problem is we don't really fully know the cosmic Kabbalistic forces that were damaged by our sins. We don't know that. Only God knows. Now, why does he allow so much cosmic Kabbalistic spheroids forces to be damaged? Because the entire creation stands on one idea. What is the nature of Oilam Habo? God made Oilam Habo at a certain level. We do not know why. We don't even know what the level is. You see. Now, in order to justify a person to get to that level of Oilam Habo, or that situation of Oilam Habo, it requires a certain amount of structure of the spheres, a certain amount of mitzvahs. You see? a certain amount of cure if they sin. And we don't know anything because we don't know why did God determine that Olim Habo should be at that level. You see? We don't know. And that's what determines everything after it. Whatever the ultimate reward of God is, that determines everything after. And if we don't know the, the, the ultimate level, what He determined, we don't know all the things that come after it, including the cure for sins, and therefore the cure for the damage to the spiritual worlds, which is the damage to the spheres. You see, we don't know. We are lacking fundamental information in order to make that determination. You see, but God knows. He knows exactly. He's like a doctor. He knows exactly the dosage. That's really what it is what you have to take, how long you have to take, and what to avoid. He knows the doctor. God knows the same thing. You see? So the interesting thing about that, which is a very important concept, all of everything, the whole setup, the mitzvahs, the cure, the disease, you name it, everything part of this world, all of it is set in motion because of one reason. What is the nature and level of Ulam Habo that he determined? He wants to give that to the Nishama. It's a very interesting concept. Someday we will be apprised. We will know. You see? Once you know that, then everything falls into place. You see? It's like chemistry. You know? Once you understand the nature of the atoms, that comprise the molecules, that comprise the compounds, that comprise the mixtures, right? Then immediately you know the properties of that substance. Same idea. We do not know the atomic structure of Ilam Habo. If you want to use a physics example, you see, we don't know that. We don't know the atomic, the molecular structure of Ilam Habo. So if that's the case, we don't know what the properties are or the behavior is of everything that this is part of. You see? That has been concealed from us. You see? But in the end of time, when we will have reached Ilam Habo, we will know. 
what exactly is the na- nature, the degree and level that now determines everything, including the length, the severity, right? The uh, times when the Yisurin is uh, canceled or mitigated or whatever. We will know all of that because it all depended on what does God want to give us in the future world. You know, I'm telling you a very important concept. What started the whole ball rolling? That's it. And therefore, we don't know the level of cure. But I guarantee you one thing, God does. And as soon as that level has been reached, that means that the tikkun is complete. And therefore, that level of ulam habo, or that experience in ulam habo, has been reached. And I guarantee you, this entire nightmare will be over. You see? Okay. Good. That's great. <laughs> I have a question, Rabbi. Sure. Hi, Rabbi. Thank you for teaching us. You're so, welcome. Pleasure. <laughs> thank you. I'm wondering if you have, um, or if you could share, if you have any insight on the rockets from yesterday on Tisha B'Av. I don't have any insights on that. It's a classic Ishmael. The evil of Yishmael trying to assert themselves. You see, look, they're trying to make a statement, and they, they want to show Israel, obviously. You talking about the Islamic Jihad uh, that is trying to retaliate for the arrest or the killing of their uh, some of their people and so on. You know, uh, you know, uh, it's it just uh, it's an incredible. It's ping pong. You know, Israel does something, then they retaliate, then Israel retaliates to them. It's a back-and-forth ping-pong. It just never ends, you see, because Israel does not make, want to make a decisive move uh, to end this. You know, it's interesting to think, once I'm commenting on this, what would America do? If America had a country or a nation that was constantly throwing missiles into it, do you think they would sit around be playing ping-pong with the other nation, back and forth? Of course not. <clears throat> They go to war and finish off the whole country and that's it. You see? Yet they don't care. I mean, this is the evil of America. America looks at this. They don't care. You know, what they should say is, hey, we we side with you. And actually, that's what Trump did. You know? Finish them off. Get rid of this evil. You see? And and maybe they'll recognize this and and start new. If they don't want to start new, then who cares? I mean, what's that? You know, it's, then it's ridiculous. How long could you play ping pong with these people? America would never do that. So why don't they, you know, say to Israel, stop doing what you're doing and finish them off, and that's the end of it. And then you can live your life in peace. No, of course not. They're not interested in the, what, what's right, you see, and what's righteous. Of course not. So they never advise, but... They would never do this. You think America would tolerate what Islamic Jihad or, you know, or Hamas is doing, uh, what he called to Israel? You think America would tolerate what Iran is threatening existentially Israel? Of course not. I mean, Trump, he warned them. I remember, uh, I forgot the president's name, whatever, when he threatened uh, uh, America. So Trump said to him, this is classic Trump, 
you know, if you utter that threat once more, we will visit upon you the likes or the fireworks that has never been seen before in mankind. And he meant it. And I guarantee you, I think it was the president, he shut up. Because that's the only thing, unfortunately, that works against evil. Why do you think many times in the Torah, if a Jew sins, God says, You know, and you will destroy the evil in its midst. Why didn't you just God say, well, you coddle them, try to talk to them, use diplomacy? No. To kill the guy, and that's the end of it, and finished. Because you cannot negotiate with the evil. This is what people don't understand. Once evil has made up its mind, right, it never hesitates. Whereas the good always hesitates. That's why there's so much evil in the world, you see? Because the good does nothing. And evil never hesitates. They know exactly what they want to do. So you can't tolerate that. That's the problem. You can't negotiate with evil. You know? You have to wipe it out. So it's one thing, okay, they do evil, but if they want to destroy you, what's the problem here? You wipe them out and finish. You know? But of course Israel never does that because they think there's a host of problems. You know? But it's their choice. You see, you know? And then that's the end of evil and finished. But they don't want to do it. And I guarantee you they know exactly where everybody of Islamic Jihad and Hamas is, you see. But anyway, this will continue until some normal prime minister takes the position of, I think it's time we stop this nonsense. That's what I see. But it's really Yishmael, the evil of Yishmael, which I mentioned. There's a good part of Yishmael and the evil part of Yishmael, you see. And it's just like the evil of Asa, which is the establishment in America, you see. They're all trying to achieve ascendancy. That's what it all is, see, and dominance and so on. But hopefully we are beginning to see the end of that. And hopefully, you know, this Moitoy Shemitah, which is, is at the end of Shemitah, after Rosh Hashanah, hopefully that could mean a turnaround, when it really will begin to turn around, you see. That's my uh, observation. Thank you, Rabbi. Okay. Anyway, have a great Shabbos Nachmu, right? Thank you. And, uh, think about the Nechoma. But the main Thank thing you. of the Nechoma is the Bitochen. You have to trust God. You have to believe that what He says He will do, He will do. You see? And Bitochen is not an easy meter because we tend to believe what we see. And what we see, many times, is contradictions, apparently, between what God says He is and what He will do, and the reality. That's why Bitochen is an ongoing midah. It's an ongoing attempt, you know, to always trust God and put your hands, your life in His hands, and realize that nothing can happen to you unless He wills it, unless He decrees, and... God can do anything He wants. Nobody can harm you unless it's part of His decree. And that's not an easy thing, you know, to, to work on and have. So in many ways, the major characteristic, Mido, of Shabbos Nachmo, 
is bitochen, is trust. You have to bone up on that by reading, let's say, uh, you know, the Chivas Havomas. There's some swarm that read, and also lately some books have come out on trusting God. But that's what Shabbos Nachmu really is. We have to believe, not just know, but believe that the consolation that God will redeem the Jewish people. When that happens, the glory, the excitement, the exhilaration, the ecstasy will be beyond comprehension. What can you say?